I recently asked Jake, who is a sophomore in high school, why he uses SpikeView to share his learning journey. Um, I think it's really cool that you know SpikeView is really putting that abstract into con concrete data and knowledge and then displaying that to the outside world. And I think SpikeView is different than anything else out there. Um, like I said before, because it's really taking that, you know, the, that those abstract skill sets and those abstract experiences and putting them into data that, you know, is actually mathematic and scientific and, um, you know, that matches you up with the best programs and, um, you know, best places for you. People, um, you know, who are really trying to make those changes in the world and they're going to be using SpikeView because SpikeView is that app where you can, you know, take, take those experiences and take those passions and put them out there. Um, and share with other people and that's you know that's really powerful and that you know that professional networking piece um, you know to be with other like-minded teenagers that puts you ahead that puts you ahead in a lot of ways and so um, you know I think anyone who uses SpikeView right now has a leg up in the future and excited to see you know where those SpikeView alumni head up. Head to SpikeView.com. Start your portfolio now for free. Have you ever thought about creating courses and training online? Without a partner to guide you through that process, you're going to be stressed about why your learners aren't engaged or how to create updated content, missing revenue opportunities, and not even having enough time. I know because I create online courses and I have a solution for you, eLearning Partners. You don't have to be overwhelmed anymore. Become a partner with eLearning Partners to create your courses and training stress-free and achieve the results you want to see. If you are thinking about wanting to create a course or training online and you believe like I believe that no expertise should go unheard, then click the eLearning Partners link in the notes of this podcast and you can start your journey to create your courses and training stress-free. If you want all that and more from the eLearning Partners, hit the link in the podcast notes because there's a free masterclass for you to take. That's right, a free masterclass. Hit that link today. Disrupt Education, episode 20. We made it, and we have a very special individual with us today, Mr. Daryl Allen. Thanks for being here, man. Hey, I appreciate you inviting me. This uh, is exciting for me. Awesome, man, awesome. Uh, milestone. Yes. That's the reason you're here. <laughs> the balloons are falling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we forgot to order those. <laughs> the So, let me just jump right in. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're about, um, your education and and how you got to where you are right now. Awesome. I'm happy to answer, I'm happy to answer that question. I'll give you my academic background mm -hmm. and then I'll tell you about my education. Nice. Okay. My uh, my academic background is um, I have a master's in project management. I am working on a uh, a PhD in organizational leadership. Uh, my undergraduate work was done in uh, technology. So that's my academic background. My education came from, uh, I worked at Bank One. And when I was at Bank One, I wasn't into banking, I wasn't into finance. My reality was, I was in education, but when I was in education, everyone said, man, if we could just do things the way business did things. After years of hearing that, I said, well, let's find out how business does things. So I called it Bank One University before there was a Bank One University. Uh, and every day that I was there, I was learning how processes work. One of the most amazing thing I found was that there was a room full of televisions where they were watching news from around the world and individuals were watching what was happening with 
over in India, what was happening in China, what was happening in these other places, disasters, and they would make financial decisions for people in Columbus, Ohio, based on where money was going to be moved, based on natural disasters. I realized that the world was really connected. And then I realized, wow, what's going on in most classrooms has nothing to do with really living. Right. And I began in my time, five years there at the bank, getting an education in, if it's not practical for the operations of a bank, it doesn't get done. Mm -hmm. If it's not practical for the operations of a plumbing outfit, it doesn't get done. If it's not practical for someone who is in surgery, it doesn't get done. But in education, almost nothing is practical but it's all that gets done. So that was my yeah. education. And, well, that's great. And I love the fact that, you know, you went academia and then my real learning happened. Um, so what kind of things are you working on right now within education, right? So Bank One was bought up by Chase and all that yeah. happened. Um, and now you're working on your doctorate. Um, and then how, what's that path like within the school systems and what kind of changes are you seeing or making? Gotcha, gotcha. One of the things uh, that's reality is you can't change a system without having some understanding of it. So I still work as an adjunct professor in business and management. I want to know what's going on. I want to see what's happening. Uh, I run an organization, have for uh, since 2000. It's called the Mentorship Institute. And what we do is organizational development, social emotional learning for organizations and in that paradigm we go to Oakland California we go to uh, Nashville Tennessee we go to Washington DC and we help organizations find out what's really working what's really bringing impact and what's just fluff uh, and in doing those things, we walk through the process of identifying uh, what part of our education is useful. You know, Ted Dentersmith in his book, uh, he has some very clear pieces of why 21st century education is necessary and moving aside all of this education that is just stock. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, so what we're doing now, we've got a project going on out in uh, Oakland, California. We are restructuring a school that was there before mm -hmm. and building it back so that what it's doing is transforming the community and transforming the individuals mm -hmm. by actually putting education to work. Mm -hmm. uh, the individual who's running that, uh, Cliff Wright, mm -hmm. he has uh, done some amazing work in uh, Baltimore. He's had done some amazing work in low-income schools. And see, let me stop right now. Mm -hmm. Because at this point in time, it's not a question of low-income or high-income. Mm -hmm. It's, is it high-outcome? Perfect. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so where you're looking at mostly high schools, or are you looking through elementary? What, what levels are you looking at? Gotcha. That's a good question. There's a lot more flexibility when you're working with high school students. Mm -hmm. When it comes to middle school, there are some critical skills that need to already be in place. Now those can be optimized, but the reality is uh, working with 6 through 12 is the area that we're, we're looking at. Mm -hmm. And the reason that we do that is because it's easier to teach students, individuals, mm -hmm good habits than it is to teach them bad habits and then retrain them. 
True. And if you're trying to remove the bad and put in the good, that takes significantly more time than getting them doing the project-based learning up front. We learn by discovery. We learn when there's structure, but we also learn where there's curiosity. Mm -hmm. And if we remove any of those elements, then what we have is cookie cutter people who are set up for a world that is anything but cookie cutter, getting right. more and more diverse on every level all the time. Let's take a look then like at you know the good versus bad uh, kind of uh, habits. Um, I think one of the things that I struggle with as a teacher is Grades. I want to do it for that letter. How are you guys trying to structure that? What does that look like in, in your realm of what you're building now in, in Oakland or, or in all these other cities? Gotcha. I, I will share with you uh, in a project that we worked on with uh, uh, Washington Adventist University, and uh, that is uh, just outside of uh, D.C. And, and one of the things that we found was that in doing this leadership development training, which is education, mm -hmm. the reality was what were the individuals able to accomplish? So it was uh, the, the badging system. Because the idea is when you're able to do something, you're given a badge that certifies what you're able to do. Mm -hmm. That's not an A, B, C, D. That is a I can do this and I can reliably do this. Mm -hmm. And now, and you'll, you'll see that uh, whether it's Apple, whether it is uh, other forward-thinking organizations, whether it is, uh, you know, Harvard Graduate School, the badging process has been taken over not by academia, but by professional associations. Because employers are saying, listen, I need to know what you're going to be able to do on day one. This idea of hire someone in with a bachelor's degree or a master's degree and have to retrain them for the next 30 to 60 days versus hiring someone who may be years old okay, <laughs> and already has a certification that you know what they can do, yeah. you know on day one that there are structures that you can put in place that they can become profitable from the day that you hire them. Right. And the other piece of the puzzle is I push an entrepreneurial mindset. I believe that is self-sustaining. Mm -hmm. Now, you can mix and match with being an intrapreneur versus an entrepreneur, but if you aren't benefiting yourself and you're not benefiting the organization that you're part of, there's a specific place for you, and that's called out of that organization. <laughs> Right. So that is the education. So let me let me finalize this. Awesome. This is just fantastic, and thank you again. Um, just mind-boggling some things we see in education, right? The the fluff versus reality. Um, we both have children. Yes. And and our children are actually very close in age. Um, what do you what do you hope to see by the time our children get to that high school piece? Right, they're, mm. they're in seventh, sixth, fifth grade. Mm -hmm. um, what, do, what do you hope to see change? You know, we know this this whole system is slow moving. Certainly, very slow moving. Yeah. Sometimes painfully slow moving. But yeah, what do you what do you hope to see in those next coming three, four years? Yeah. My my thinking is this: the system won't move unless we move it. 
So what I hope to see in those years is that our children, they learn skills that make them more curious and make them more creative. Because as our kids become more creative and more curious, they're going to challenge what goes on in their classrooms. They're going to challenge what the expected outcomes are. And the system will move from the inside out the same way that a balloon is blown up by pushing and forcing air in so that the structure looks different, mm -hmm. not because you asked the structure to change, but because you forced the information, the air into the balloon, therefore it must change. So I, I, that's what I see for our, uh, our children because as our children follow their dreams, as they learn how to be disciplined, as they learn how to read and research for themselves, the project-based learning will give them the questions and now we can give them the resources to find the answers. And those who find the answers first, Singapore, those who find the answers first, India, those who find the, earth, the answers first, the United States, as we do that, we set what the tone is. And it's one thing to try to transform the world for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to say, are our children being transformed and are they being part of the transformation? So my hope is that, uh, you know, probably similar to you, mm -hmm. my son could read before he went to school. Mm -hmm. My son could do math at a very high level before he went to school. I don't want to slow down his progress by putting him in school. Mm -hmm. Right, right, isn't that crazy? Like... I, I don't, and I don't want to slow down anyone's life chances by putting them in an environment where the structures tell them you're going to be less than because mm -hmm. we're not ready for you to be more than. Wow, that's amazing, man. Daryl, thank you for being here. Thank, thank you for your time, and I am excited about what Disrupt Education is doing because the only way to improve things is to disrupt what was there already. That's right. I appreciate it. Well, you heard it. Keep disrupting. We'll see you next time.